The By the Hood podcast is sponsored by the Discover Your Options Bootcamp. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with Discover Your Options, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. For more information, click the link under Discover Your Options in our show notes. And for 20% off, make sure to use the code BUYTHEHOOD, one word, for the 20% discount. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. Um, and before I say anything else, just want to you know start the show with gratitude as we always do. Thank you to everybody who subscribes, shares our content, all of our students in By the Hood University that uh, have taken our courses, um, just everyone who's pretty much showing us support and helping us spread the mission. Uh, also, got my brother Corey in the building. Corey, how are you, sir? Man, I'm living, man. It's, you know, I done lived through, you know, the Rona, you know, Death Hornets, and now, you know what I mean, through this recession. So I feel like, you know, I can live through anything at this point. I mean, it looks like the Rona is coming back, though, according to the news, all the news I'm reading. It looks like, you know, um, and, I, and I see the market this morning took a, uh, on that news took a little tumble, but it uh, looks like Rona's not going. Oh, oh, I guess. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've been socially distant uh the vast majority <laughs> of my life. <laughs> That's not changing anything for you, huh? How, how is it out in Texas? I know you're in Texas for the summer. Well, you, you, I don't know. You coming back? You know, you left. You, you got to living down there. You might not want to come back to Philly. Hey man, it's good to have choices. So, uh, but I mean, right now, you know, I'm feeling good, man. You know, it it makes me, you know, appreciate, you know, a lot of the decisions I made to have the choices that I have. To, to Absolutely. Be what I'm doing. So. Absolutely, that's amazing. So our show is always, and our platform is used to highlight uh, people that look just like us, that are doing amazing things in the community, in business, in law, education, whatever it may be, we want to make sure we highlight these people um, and also uh, see what we can learn from them. So it's about learning, not just for you listening or watching, but we like to learn from people as well. And listen, um, our next guest is doing amazing work. Uh, and, and one of the things she's going to talk about is something that we really haven't had anyone on to talk about, and it's very important when we talk about building wealth, we talk about investing, we talk about real estate, we talk about stocks, we can talk about index funds, all those things, but it's not just enough to create wealth, it's about keeping it and making sure the next generation understands what it means to have wealth and make sure it passes through to them. <clears throat> so without further ado, I'd like to introduce our special guest for this episode, uh, attorney at law, Rhonda Anderson, how are you? Good. How are you? Good morning. How's how's everyone doing? Oh, man, we're doing amazing. Um, we definitely wanted to bring you on. And, and first off, I want to send a shout out to Janice, our sister, because uh, she made this connection because uh, she supports everything we do. Um, and she loves you as well. And she says, "You two got to get together." <laughs> so, uh, Janice, I know you're gonna listen to this. Want to say, hey, you know, we, we we love you and and we appreciate it. Um, because this is important, right? So um, we're going to get into exactly what you do and um, some tips you have for people. But before we do that, can you give us a little bit about your background? Where are you from? Uh, what, you know, what city are you from? What school did you go to? Sure. So I'm from Philly. I grew up in Mount Airy, Germantown area. Uh, graduated from King High School. Mm -hmm. Went to IUP, which is near Pittsburgh. Came back and got my law degree from Temple. And then went back to school to LaSalle to get my MBA in finance. Oh, nice. So I'm pretty local. That's nice. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're all, we're all fully, fully born and bred. Let me ask you a question, though. After, after getting a law degree, what made you want to go back and get an MBA? I see that a lot. 
So I had, um, I worked with a lot of nonprofits and charter schools at the firm that I was working at at the time. And what I realized is my clients didn't call us unless there was a problem, right? So whether or not the police are at the door or just, you know, they tried to figure out situations. And because at the time, charter schools are relatively new. They were trying to do buildings. They were trying to buy buildings. So it was all these different things that I realized is they needed more probably in-house counsel. Like they needed somebody who had some experience with financing, um, real estate, things like that. So I just took a leap and I left the firm I was at. I went back to school full time. Um, I did it. I felt like I should do it while I was somewhat, you know, young and, and had some energy. Um, and it's worked because it helps me not just give a legal perspective to things, but also a consulting and, and finance and um, perspective that I think a lot of folks in our community don't necessarily have. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we rely on people who are maybe not necessarily giving us the best, you know, work in our best interest. So um, I just decided right. to, to walk the plank and go back to school. That's amazing. So, so, so yeah, a highly educated person, right? The MBA, uh, the law degree, uh, that's, that's amazing. Well, congratulations for all of that. Um, and, and that's very inspiring. So with that being said, um, I know one of the things that we talked about is estate planning. That's like mm-hmm. something that you're really, really passionate about. Um, I am. So before we get into what you actually do with estate planning, why are you so passionate about that with, with our community? So I would say because it's probably one of the most misunderstood areas of law. So a lot of times when, you know, when, when folks look like us think about lawyers, we think about criminal lawyers, um, we think about sometimes, you know, maybe it's like certain things like bankruptcy or just different, very specific things that we only think about that we need lawyers for. And what I find is that estate planning is misunderstood and it's also something that i think is not really targeted towards people in our community but we need it the most you know so i think it's one of those things um i am a member of enon tabernacle baptist church and we have legal ministry and years ago we used to do these law clinics and our we would do a couple a year our biggest clinic was when we would do free wills so we would do free wills to the community we get a bunch of lawyers volunteer we'd be there all day long on a saturday and it grew so much that we were starting to do wills and a power of attorneys, things like that for people upwards of probably 700, 800 people a day. So that showed me that, you know, there's, there's a need. We just don't know. We're not educated enough about it to know that this is something that, um, you know, we should, we should be focusing on. Yeah. And, and I want to co-sign that because uh, for a couple of reasons, right? Um, one of the things we always preach when we do uh, a lot of our work in the community is the whole idea of don't lose granny's house because that's like a phenomenon in our community. Absolutely. And a lot of times it's because it wasn't properly planned uh, in terms of the estate or grandma was trying to take care of like, you know, 15 kids. So she listed to 15 people at one time Absolutely. and they can't decide what they want to do and they lose yeah. it. And so I see that literally all the time. So I, I think that's also important. Also this past year, I lost my mother, but the one thing I can say about that is um, because she had her paperwork straight, it actually helped us in the grieving process mm-hmm. because it wasn't a lot of things that we had to think about because, um, so that's another thing about this. Um, another, like, you know, a point to look at when you have all your paperwork in place, uh, you know, um, when, when you, when you go to a transition that the next generation doesn't have to, um, you know, really worry about anything. You have it all set up beforehand. I have a question for you. Um, <clears throat> um, something that I get asked all the time and I, I really don't know the answer to this, but, um, if, if someone doesn't have anything, is anything wrong with them going on one of those websites, uh, you know, um, legal zoom or something like that and just getting a, a will or, or, you know, something right there just written up. 
So it depends. So if you have what I consider maybe a basic estate, um, sometimes something is better than nothing, right? What I encourage people to do though, if they do go on LegalZoom or they go to Staples and get something, is maybe have an attorney review it. Because the challenge is, is that with LegalZoom, I've seen wills that where people have left their, their estates to their dogs. Because LegalZoom doesn't know that your dog <laughs> is not a person, right? So LegalZoom is only going to spit out what you put in there. So you may not know that there are, you know, especially if you have children, like I think if there's certain parameters. If you have children, property, you need to sit down and talk to somebody. Gotcha. Because a, another human being could say to you, well, did you consider this? You consider that. LegalZoom can't do that. It's just, it's just, you know, like I'm going to put something in. And I, I literally saw Will there where everything was left to the dog. Not left to a person to take care of the dog, oh, but left to a dog. So yeah, like, could you explain to us real fast what you mean by like a simple estate? Okay, so I would say if you are single, maybe you do have a property, you know you're, you're, you know enough what you want to do. So you know I want to leave this particular object or property to this person. I want to name a particular person as my executor. Um, that's it. Like, and I, these are my beneficiaries. Simple means that you, you kind of have it in order. Um, it okay. gets a little bit more complex when children are involved, when you're married. You know, there's certain laws that, you know, depending upon your state that say you may not be able to exclude your spouse. You don't, you may not, legal zooms aren't necessarily going to tell you that. Okay, okay. Um, you know, if you have maybe more than one property, if you have a business. So there's certain things, especially if you have children under the age of 18, like there's certain trust issues that you have to make sure that, you know, you could leave all these things to, to someone, but you may not necessarily know that if you have children under the age of 18, they, a court has to appoint like a guardian for them. So, the, you know, so there's certain, certain intricacies that I think that, um, you know, let's start with this. I think almost everybody needs a will. Let's start, okay. with, honestly, okay. right? So let's start with that. I think when, when people say to me they don't want a will because they don't have anything is-, is I, was just, I was just getting ready to ask you that because I hear just, that. I hear that all right? the time. It's just, that's what I hear. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. Okay, but you do, right? So you have loved ones. Um, you have some assets, more than likely. And what I tell people is you're drafting a will today for the future you right? Because the future you may have a retirement account with your job. You may buy some property. Um, I have a client who swore me down. I don't have anything. I we did her will anyway. And a year later, unfortunately, she got hit by a bus. The benefit to that is that she had a million dollar settlement, but she already had a will in place. You know what I mean? So it, it's, you're trying to leave instructions really for the future you. Um, a will can always be changed. I have one client who changes her will annually. She gets sick of people. She ch every year I can rely on her calling me <laughs> that we're going to change. And I'm okay with that. You know, she took me seriously. And I said, as long as you're living and you're in your right mind, you can always change this. And she does. And, and she takes me to it. So there, there's very few people um, that don't need some type of estate plan. And honestly, a good lawyer will sit down with you and say to you, listen, this is what you need. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this extraordinary amount of money either. You know what I mean? It really doesn't. I think that's another, um, you know, misconception that you're going to get some things. The reason why I think it's important for you to sit down with people who look like you maybe in your community is that so that you're not oversold mm -hmm. so that you're not, you know, somebody with one house who's, who's getting like a trust where it's a binder that's this thick, like some people just, they just don't need that. So I think it's important. Um, you can sit, you can sense that I think it's important, but you need to at least have a conversation with somebody to leave some instructions. And that's what a will is. You're just leaving instructions. It's, you know, I think okay. Jimmy's point about, you know, about his mom is, is true because it's difficult to grieve 
and handle a lot of things at the same time. Death brings out a lot of strangeness in people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mom promised me that leather jacket. No, she didn't. So if you leave instructions, and the other thing about leaving instructions is, especially as a parent, you know your children. You know which one is going to do right. You know which one, not going to leave the house. Um, so don't leave that burden to somebody else to deal with. Mm-hmm. Just, just leave some instructions. So um, let me ask you a qu- well, I have a couple questions because mm-hmm. this, is, this is an interesting topic to me that I always want to have a conversation about. Um, so one of the things that I see a lot of times um, in, in real estate is my specialty is where well, you just said something that made me think about this when you said parents know your children, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I see a lot of times in our community where um, they'll try to leave it to a grandmother, try to leave it to like, you know, I, I was joking saying 15, but I've seen it. The most I've seen is like six or seven, mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. or seven grandkids couple of them ain't worth nothing. Some of them are doing amazing things. And then like they argue and argue and they'll end up losing the property. Yes. Um, so I just tell clients, listen, you know, which one of your kids is the more responsible one, have them control it. And, and, and then if they want to sell it and split it, whatever they want to do, but don't lose it. Right. I, I'd rather not sell it. I'd rather just hold on to the property in our community. But at the end of the day, if, if the options are losing it <laughs> or selling it and keeping that, that, that money, like, right. um, what do you say to someone that has multiple kids or what have you? Um, three or four kids like and they have a couple pieces of real estate like do you just so what i advice? say is you can't it's hard to split a house so you think about it like you can't split a baby it's hard to split a house right because you just can't split a house in in threes and in all likelihood what happens is you have three children two have their own houses right two are living their lives and their thing you got one yep. who's just sitting there He's 45. He's lived in the basement. He's never leaving. So you've seen so, this too. <laughs> I see this all the time. So what I try to do is I try to talk to the parents when the children aren't in the room. And I just have this conversation to say, I have watched estates where the biggest beneficiaries are the lawyers because the people are fighting, 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 and you have spent everything up on lawyers because you can't figure this out. Um, so I recommend a couple things. I say, who's the most responsible child? Like, who's the one that's, who's, who's really the one? And usually the responsible child is the one who called me in to begin with. Um, so that's the person you name as the executor that you, you have who can make the decisions. I also say it, it's, it's difficult to, to even leave a property to more than two to three people. You know, it's just, it's just difficult because how do they decide who's going to pay what? So am I going to let Junior live in the house and I'm going to pay the taxes? And so, and my brother's going to pay, you know, the water while juniors is lit. Like, so you, if you, if that's your intent, you got to really think this through to say, you know, how are they going to, um, how are they going to live together? How are they going to use the property? Then how are you going to leave the property to them? Are you going to leave it to them where they own it jointly? And if one of them dies, the other two get it. Or is it, if one of them dies, his wife steps in and now, you hated your daughter-in-law, right? I said, some the mothers all the time, you hated your daughter-in-law. So now your daughter-in-law is not maybe one of the owners. You know, so how, let's just think about this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, usually once I, I put all of those scenarios in place, I usually have moms say, I leave my estate. I direct such and such to my executor to, uh, to handle it. I also allow her, if she has to, to sell it. Like if, if we, if they can't, we, you know, I appreciate that I want to leave this in the legacy in the family. If she can't, I, it's fine. It could mm-hmm. be sold, and then they just split, you know, split the proceeds. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And the next question I have um, is about trust. So, do you like establish trust for people mm-hmm. as well? Yes. 
Okay. Okay. So um, with Trump, go ahead. I was no, I was going to ask you, is that, is that something that like, um, cause that's something, another thing that I um, don't have that lot of experience in, but I would like to learn. Um, it's because as you acquire assets now, it goes from acquiring assets to learning how to control and protect them for a long time. So um, just as a backdrop, I, I read a book this past year. It was called uh, Family Wealth by James Hughes, right? Okay. So I thought this book was going to be about like establishing a family bank. And it was all about like, you know, trust and preserving the assets that you accumulate over time. Okay. And um, one of the points that he made in the book is doesn't matter how much you can accumulate financially if you don't leave that wisdom and knowledge with the next generation of how to control it. That's right. So, and, and trust was a big part of that. So is that something that our community needs to be looking more into? Is, is Yeah. I mean, I think especially since we are, we, and I would say Philadelphia is unique in this because we are somewhat emerging in the real estate. Like, you know, we were undervalued for so many years and, you know, we have these out of state investors coming in. So we actually, as a community, are probably sitting on most of our wealth, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we probably have, you know, these re-emerging gentrified neighborhoods. So I think it's important to at least talk to somebody about a trust because what a trust does in some respects is it contains the wealth. So it contains it. So you may have properties that you transfer to the trust. You leave instructions, same thing. You, you appoint a trustee. You have people, you know, you have beneficiaries. In a trust, you could also establish when people get what. So again, you may have children and you may say, you know what, 21, are you necessarily really ready to get this? Maybe at 21, part you get part of your money, right? Or maybe at 30, you get the rest of it. Um, so a trust is, is good because it allows you to kind of make all these decisions. And then in some respects, trusts can also avoid probate. So what probate is, is when you have a will, or if you don't have a will, you gotta go down to city hall, you gotta be appointed. So there's all these different things that happen. A trust can avoid that. A trust doesn't always necessarily avoid inheritance tax though, but you can have certain trusts that do. You can have certain trusts that you transfer all the property to the name of the trust. Um, as long as you don't, you the person don't necessarily have control over it, you appoint a trustee, you can avoid probate, you can avoid inheritance taxes. Trusts are seemingly important for our community now because you could have a trust that helps you avoid what's called Medicaid recovery. Mm-hmm. So we're aging. We're an aging population. Um, if mom or somebody has to go into a nursing home, and if you just don't have the ten thousand dollars a month to pay for it, we apply for Medicaid. So, at, which is which is our right as older people. You apply for Medicaid. Medicaid doesn't want you to have assets though. So now, if you plan this ten years before mom has to go, now unfortunately I get calls the day before they want to put mom into a home, and that's not planning. It's like. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's say you plan this out 10 years before you put these things in trust. You could create a family trust that those assets aren't, aren't moms. So it doesn't mm-hmm. count against mom. You still keep the properties in the family, wow. but you don't lose those. You know, so these are the conversations we need to start having and, and having now. Yeah. See, this because- is next level. This, this is the stuff that I don't know. And it's like, it's making <laughs> yeah. my brain. Yeah, you know, I know how to get the wealth, but like yeah. these little gotta keep it. <laughs> these little secrets that you know that that actually like help you keep it, but also um, man, help you help you actually uh, I shouldn't say work work within the system, right? Let's say it that way. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So I have another question. So um, so Corey and I we do a free camp every um every summer for the kids in the community. We teach them how to invest, right? So we have a lot of uh, a parent and a salute to all the parents that come out and help us with the camp. Um, but a lot of the, the kids, and we start from ages five on up, a lot of them have started like, you know, brokerage accounts and they're buying assets and things nice. like this. My question is, 
um, and this is a question for myself because like my nephew's one of the students as well. Um, should can you build up a trust over time? So should they be buying these in trust now, or is it okay for them just to have them, you know, in their name? Like so, so how does the trust work? Is the trust something that we can build up over time? Like if I set a trust up for my nephew now, can we continue to acquire things in his trust? Absolutely, absolutely. You could have trust for your children. You could, and the, what what the trust is? It's 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 a document, but you're also transferring assets to the name of the trust. So let's say you bought a property, you had no mortgage on it, and you decided you want to leave it to your nephew. Um, your nephew could, you know, you could you could have it in your trust that says, you know, I leave this to my nephew and trust for him, um, same thing. So you could build up the assets and then transfer them to a trust. Um, you know, so you could, there's a, there's a lot of ways you could do it, you but okay. you, you probably just gotta get started doing something. Okay, oh yeah. man, that's next level. So man, Corey, I know you had something you want to chime in with. Yeah, so, you know, we, around death, you know I mean? There's a lot of uh, infighting for, for, for stuff. And, um, you know, I'm one of those people like, look, you know, leave it, leave it, to, leave it to somebody else. And let them have it. I don't, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really want to get involved in all of that. You know, because I, I'd rather just grieve and, yeah. and and do for my kids or whatever. Yeah. So, what do you do when you know there's a will in place and there's still infighting about what you know gets distributed? inside the will even when it's already in writing yeah because all right so like for an example you know i'm i'm, I'm trying to do this with some tact because you know these people are still living <laughs> but is it, there's a will in place mm -hmm. and it says you know distribute this to xyz but it doesn't specify all of the stuff. So it says distribute the house to the the, the, the person A okay. and distribute all of the assets to person B. Okay. But person B doesn't want the assets. They just want the house. And then mm -hmm. the other person, they want all of the assets. So it's distributed wrong. The person gotcha. wrote the bill okay. Okay. and they thought they knew yeah. what the other, the two people wanted and it was actually the opposite. Right. So how do you... So typically the way it works is, um, you know, usually you hire an attorney, the attorney advises and say, okay, so here's what it seems like the intent was of, of grandma. Grandma's not here. If there's no agreement or if there's still like this confusion, I mean, and the law sets some things out too in terms of what's, what's, what's considered a specific bequest. You know what I mean? Like does the house include the assets or, but sometimes wills, I mean, wills are by humans. So sometimes they're just not written to a T. Um, so you go to court. And the judge decides. So you okay. got to pay somebody. You got here, so you got more money coming out now. But you go to court, and you know both sides will present, and a judge will make a determination in order what happens. Um, one of the things that I include in my wills is a clause that says if you contest it, you get nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that encourages people because <laughs> it's a gift. You get a gift. So sometimes that encourages people not to fight. So I have a no contest provision in all my wills. If you want to fight about this, you get nothing. Gangster. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what yeah. I was looking for. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but these are some that's of the things these these are some of the things that we need to know. Um Rodney, you've given us a lot of amazing information. Um let me ask you a question. Throughout this journey of, of going from, you know, you're coming out of King, you're going to uh, you know, get your undergrad, law school, the whole thing, um, to where you are now, um, as seasoned as you are. Um, and obviously you, you have a lot of information. 
what would you say is the biggest hurdle that took you to get from, you know, um, starting out to where you are now? Wow. Biggest hurdle. Um, I would say, honestly, as a, as a, a black woman who once was a young black teenager, um, trying to convince people and myself that I belonged here. Uh, and that was really a journey. Um, I can remember being in high school, I transferred to King Crumble Dean and I had a lot of credits my junior year. So it didn't make sense for me to, to stay for like to my senior year cause I could graduate early. So I remember going to um, the principal at the time to get permission to graduate, you know, to sign off for me to graduate early. And he said, you'll never make anything in yourself. This is stupid, just stay here. You'll never make anything in yourself. Uh, so I remember telling my mother and my mother took me back to school the next day. And she was like, you know, you're going to sign. But so think what people don't realize is when you deposit things like that, it sticks. Right. So it stuck with me because I would always have this, this notion of maybe he was right. You know what I mean? And I can remember then getting to law school and, you know, we were, there's maybe 10 of us in our class, you know, and, you know, looked like us. And I can recall very heightened, arguments about how, you know, we didn't deserve to be there. We're only there because of affirmative action. And like, so all these things, so these things, they, they stick with you, right? So you always sometimes will have this imposter syndrome of like, well, do I belong here? Am I? And so what I started realizing is the people that I were around, they weren't that smart. I mean, <laughs> I mean they, they have some advantages, right? And I'm not saying this like, I come from, you know, like I come from doctors and lawyers and my families and everything like that. So I, I was constantly poured into, don't get me wrong. I was constantly poured into dirty situations, but then I, I was surrounded by people that just really weren't that smart. They may have had some other advantages and some, some, you know what I mean? Some, some, some obstacles that were moved out of their way, but at the end of the day, they weren't that smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's true. You, you realize it all the time, right? No, no that's gangster. Yeah, that's I mean, real, but that's real. That was it. So I just, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I just continue. So then I do. So then when you learn things that the other people are doing, you want to bring it back to your people to say like, come on, y'all, we can do this. You know, like I'm a property owner. I, you know what I mean? My husband and I bought a duplex years ago because somebody told us like, do it. And we were like, we don't, we don't know about being a landlord. Come on, just do it. Come on. I'll help you. You know what I mean? Like, come on. I hope you, I'll help you figure this out. Um, so and, that, no and that's so crucial. That that's so crucial. Because all of us have had someone. Yeah, all of us have had someone to do that. Yeah, right, yeah. So and that's why it's important together. for us to do it to the next generation, that's right? right? So now that's we how we build. To, with all these, with the protests, with COVID, like this world is crazy. With all this, now it's our responsibility to stand in the gap for the next generation, right? Exactly. We have to. So we've got to educate them. We've got to help them out. We've got to teach them to. Sometimes they got to leave the corporate world and, and walk the plank and start their own thing. But we got to stand in the gap now. Absolutely. Oh man, <laughs> that that's powerful because Art. it's so yeah. It's it's because it's so true, right? It's always um someone that told us, hey, this is what you need to be. It's always someone, and you have to make sure. And the more information you get, we should be bringing back um because they're not smarter than us. That also goes to um with me and Corey they talk about which is called brainwashing. Uh, mm. Another excellent book called Brainwash. But um a lot of times because of we don't control the narrative in our media, we start to believe these stereotypes right. and and. They're not smarter. <laughs> they, you know, they're not smarter than us at all. You know, um, so uh, also, what kind of do you have any sort of book that you've ever read? What's your favorite book, or what has inspired you along your journey? So my favorite book is this very obscure book that it's nothing like inspirational. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Oh, Jim Collins. Yeah. The right people to write people on the bus. That's right. That's and you got to get the, right, the wrong ones off the bus, right? That's right. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I find myself quoting from that book. I read it easily 10, 15 years ago. And I find myself quoting from that book a lot and sharing a lot of that, you know, in terms of people, like in terms of building, like having the good people on your team, um, you could create so much more. Getting rid of the wrong people, like, and that's something I think we don't necessarily think about. I think um, in terms of real estate, you need a team, right? So mm-hmm. you need to have, if you're renting out a property, you need to have a good uh, a management team, right? Somebody's got to collect rent or so, you know, you need somebody who's going to fix stuff, the yeah. plumbing. You At some point, you're going to need a lawyer and maybe an accountant. So team building is important and you need to build teams early, right? So that I know when I get a call from my tenant that something's leaking, I could call, my, I could text my plumber and, cause yeah. he's, and he's going to, but I'm going to keep him busy. You know what I mean? I'm going to make sure that he's getting work, things like that. So I think the, the concept of good good people on your team, how good people will work for you. They will. Yeah. Like they, you yeah. know what I mean? Like you encourage them, you build them up, you, they get something out of it. People, you know, building up people, I think is, is probably the thing that we don't consider as much as we should. So I learned that from Jim. Yes. And, and yeah. people are, people are assets too. Right. So yeah. you, and and here's the thing. People are assets, but some of them also liabilities. Right. Are, so right. you got to learn early. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. That right? worked compared to ones that don't work. <laughs> what is it? You can bring that book up. That's like my, one of my wife's favorite. That's, that's actually her favorite business book, but she also has an MBA from the South. So like, okay, I wonder yeah. if that's something. I mean, they probably made us read it. That's like, yeah. Yeah. That's, right, a, right. A, that's, that's what made me think about that. Cause I knew got the MBA from the South. So does yeah. she, and that's like her Make favorite. sure we put that on our book list. It's already there. Cause again, I love that book. I love that book and that's the one thing i always remember about that put putting the right because i see so many times even when we go to analyze a company Corey, we're looking at a company in the market and, and you see that they're putting the wrong people like you know and we talked about yep. uh, the like, first thing that's one of the first things i look at like who to see who is the ceo and what is that ceo's track record of building teams and building uh you so, know building yeah. corporations so it goes to oh, big yeah. businesses and small but you got to put the right people on the bus but it also works in your life too just yeah. in life in general so right. yeah great How choice great choice so Rhonda, listen you've given us a ton of information um hold on hold on before, amazing. before she goes what's the uh, no, no, i'm gonna ask you another question though i'm gonna but go ahead, go ahead you ask your question go ahead. what's the future for your business that's where i was going <laughs> wow so this is interesting because um obviously these last three months for everybody have been you know a, complete change and, and everything else. So I think the future for my business, I've been really trying to think about this. So um, because we, and this is just practical, we have had to do a lot of Zoom hearings, right? So, and I actually have a Zoom hearing after this. So what I'm trying to do is probably do a better infrastructure job with my business, right? So now I know I probably need to invest in putting everything in the cloud, right? So now I gotta sit here and it's gonna go all this stuff to put everything in the cloud. I have to be more mobile. Um, I have to be on the front line of not necessarily relying on sitting in an office with somebody, right? So I have to think of things that in terms of doing more online stuff, doing more remote stuff. So that's the practical part of the business. I think from a holistic kind of approach, I think about this as this is, we're going to come out of this, right? So where are the, where are the areas or the industries that are going to be burgeoning, right? What are the things now that, you know, we're going to dust off and be like, oh, that's it. That's the next thing. So I think being flexible um, and knowing that, you know, it, it, in the beginning of this situation, beginning of COVID, it was depressing for me because I had clients dying. And 
that's tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just all the yeah. money in cars. So I had to get through that because I, you know, I got to support my, support these families and different things. But then I started thinking about it and saying, what is the next thing? Because we got to be on, we have to be on the next thing before everybody else is. Absolutely. Right? So we got to figure out whether or not we got to hoard our cash or, you know, work together. Like, but I think what this has taught me, even with the protest is we've got to, we have a lot of capital as black people. We have a lot of capital and we got to start doing better at using it, using our influence, um, and honestly, just trying to, again, stand in the gap for the next generation. So business-wise, I'm excited. I yes. have no idea why. I just know that. <laughs> well, no. It's a whole it's new world. Time. It's, yeah, it's a whole new world. Yeah, it's, so it's, I feel like, just like I'm, exci- like I'm really excited because I think um, we're going to make some impacts in industries that we, we weren't really invited to. It's like before Corona and after Corona. Like, right. I think social yeah. justice. I think getting yeah. people, getting other people while we have... And I don't know if I can say this because I know this is, I don't want to say this, but while we have the attention of people who may feel guilty and want to do stuff and put Absolutely. out statements. Use that white guilt against them, yeah. Yeah, how about you, you, start, you, start putting out, you start putting out an agenda of what you want them to do. Don't just let them put a statement on the website and we feel free. Yep. No, no, if you want to really start investing, like invest in us. Don't, don't just only invest in, maybe you want to invest in our, us as a nonprofit because you want to write us off. No, you start thinking about how you're going to invest in us and get a return on investment. Like yeah. treat us like, treat us like you treat everybody else. Like Absolutely. invest in us. Like, we, we talked about that, how, you know, they can send out emails, but you look at their C-suite and their, their board, right. there's nobody that looks None. like us. You can look at some of these diversity and inclusion uh, teams and it's just, it's just like, it's five men and five women, women right. so they call it in, in, inclusion and diversity, right. and it doesn't it, it it doesn't include any. And it ain't like, diverse. Right. It ain't diverse at all. Right. It's just it's trash. So that's yeah. why I see this. Start investing. Like start really writing some checks. Absolutely. I'll be when y'all do that. Absolutely. So, listen, Rhonda, this has been excellent and very very informative, and um, we definitely will remain in touch with you uh because. What you're doing is very important. This is the other side of uh, what we talk about all the time. Um, yeah. So I just want to say this, first. Yeah, she closes the circle on the on the wealth. You yeah. Because we, we do the, 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 the building and education. Yeah. Yeah. And she closes the circle by protecting that whatever you built in, in, in that educational piece. And, and, and there's another piece that I just realized from this conversation. It's like part of what she does actually can be used to build wealth if, yeah. you, if you use it strategically. So it's all about being strategic with it. Um, but this has been very informative and, and much success to, and first of all, thank you for what you do. Um, and second of all, much success to everything that you're going to do moving forward. Uh, we will be in touch and we will send people your way when, when asked because okay. um, again, it's, it's a valuable resource. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I like the work you guys are doing. This is oh, well, thank you. Thank you. You're out there. I appreciate this. And I appreciate this platform too. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so we'll make sure, make, people out there watching, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this um, because we need this kind of information in our communities. Um, give us feedback. We will make sure that we put uh, her contact information within the description. So if anyone's looking for her services, you can actually uh, take advantage of that. Um, we'll put her website there as well. So uh, to our folks out there, make sure you share this video again. Um, Corey, any last words you got to say before we got here? 
Yeah, I appreciate the, the the time that you spent with us, you know, because we know you got a law degree and a business degree, so you know about time and money. So Sorry. the time you spent with us is <laughs> very valuable. So what you gave us was was a gem. So I, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. So um, for the people out there, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see y'all guys on the next episode. Peace.